Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hey, everyone. Happy, uh, happy birthday, John. Thanks. I'm old now. Yeah, you're like, you're super, you're just super washed. Yeah, this is, uh, this is, uh, quite the revelation. This is now a blog run by an adult, uh, which has not been the case since Sean left. Now, <laughs> I think Sean might contest that it was before too. But <laughs> yeah, we'll I'm, give him more benefit of the doubt. I, I am now thirty years old. For those who are listening and, and wondering why I'm, I'm particularly <laughs> shell shocked by this birthday, it is a, uh, it is what it is. I'm I'm optimistic that that this will be a good year. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. In terms of uh, in terms of Syracuse, you know, it it, it should hopefully go better than twenty nine. We'll see. Although, yeah, I mean, if I could just, like, bottle up, like, the buzzer beaters and the Clemson game, and that could be yeah. what I saw the Syracuse 29, that's fine. Very high, very high highs. And then a lot of uh, very middling, like, everything else. Yeah, like, that's, that's kind of the problem, is that, like, the highs were awesome, but then they were just quickly swatted down by the just mediocrity of the rest of it. And that's just not for like, that's for like everybody but Justin Knight, um, as far as Syracuse athletics goes. Like that's pretty much how it went. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Justin Knight's just like, you know, he's he's not of, of this world. Um, like honestly, like one of our best Syracuse athletes in recent history in any sport. And probably doesn't get enough credit for, for like all of the amazing things he's done. Yeah, I mean, it's... Kevin's obviously the best person to be able to to completely, you know, put him in perspective. Um, but he's he's someone who we really should. I think as a group, this isn't just like a you know you and me. This is an everybody thing. Take more time to appreciate him now, and then accept the fact that like he is going to be someone that you know you look at you know, down the road, and if SU track and field continues to be the behemoth it is, that people start talking about him and, and the program, you know, in the same sort of breath that, that you know, some some of the greater track legends uh, have. Yeah, I think he really he really goes down into, like, the pantheon, honestly. I don't know how we got in Justin Knight here, but I think he goes down, like, the uh, the pretty the short list of, like, honestly, like, greatest SU athletes, and obviously the sport isn't as public-facing as, you know, the big three sports for Syracuse, but it's hard not to put him on there. Um, so yes, he did. He did well last year, um, and every year he's been at SU. And uh, the rest, you know, work in progress. No, completely. Um, all right. Speaking of works in progress, uh, Dan, you got to probably watch more of the Syracuse Virginia game than I did because I was at Staples uh, Center. Uh, au contraire, I was at a, a concert <laughs> in Brooklyn. Ah, uh, that's right. You were at the Killers. So I've seen like it's yes. So I, I've seen extended highlights. I've read some stuff. Did not see the full game. So, yeah, I, I kind of have an idea of how it went. Um, probably closer than I thought. I, I kind of assumed UVA would, would handle us pretty easily, and it, it seems like we were pretty scrappy, especially considering, you know, they're, how good defensively they are. I'm actually kind of shocked. We, we broke 60 um, and, you know, handled their very good offense pretty well overall. Yeah, what, what frustrates me uh, anyway is just, like, they lost to West Virginia, a.k.a. Press Virginia. And you know why they lost that game? A lot of it was because of the press. So if you're Syracuse, in given your history with Virginia in recent years, wouldn't you have just like taken all of this information together and gone, hmm, I wonder what's going to work here, and then done it for more than like only a couple of minutes? Obviously, this team is better defensively than they have been for a few years now, but um, he's been pretty uh, quick to put the press on even early, in, and, and at least to switch up the look that the offenses are getting. Um, so it is pretty interesting that he didn't lean on that especially you know obviously you're not going to compare everything to the NCAA tournament game because that was a you know, very specific uh event it's it's a little interesting that we that we didn't lean on that more yeah it's it is weird I don't know if it's just the depth issues or whatever uh, Beheim did seem particularly averse 
in this game. I feel like it was something that we were busting out earlier um, in some recent games, obviously, uh, you know, the one against Georgetown in particular, then it helped spark a win there. Um, Virginia clearly can't really get outside of its comfort zone. That's something that has plagued them against us, and it's plagued them, I think, in the NCAA tournament a little bit, because if you play against teams that are just built differently than they're prepared to deal with, it, it quickly kind of goes south for them. Um, that doesn't take away from their hot start, the fact that they're d- doing really well this year, but it does kind of, you know, j- just speak to, if we all know this, Beheim obviously knows this, it's, it, it's, it's not a damning thing for him necessarily, but it is a confusing one at this point, at least for, for, for the one game. Right. Um, I, you brought up the depth issues. I, I'm personally starting to get worried about this. Um, obviously, this hasn't been a deep team at any point this year, but uh, this is, what, our second straight game or second in three games where we have had no bench storing at all. And I'm looking, the only stat outside of fouls that any of our bench guys put up was one steal by Howard Washington. Um, really not ideal. Like, yeah. we have saw earlier in the year, like, Sidibe obviously is percent. Um, I think if he was, he'd be playing a lot more than five minutes, you know, or like just like little brief moments in games, but um, he obviously doesn't look like he has off the game that he had earlier in the year. I'm sure a lot of that is health-wise. Um, Dolezal is not, not, you know, an offensive juggernaut by any means, but, like, he's shown things in other games where he, you know, can be kind of a scrapper and, and you know, get some putbacks and do some stuff like that, and he didn't, no, none of them even took a shot, so it's it's pretty, uh, it's pretty shocking, um, you know, that not only, you know, obviously this bench is never going to be a huge storing unit, but you can't go multiple games without getting any points out of them or even like no free, no field goal attempts. Like you can't have players who are, who are just not going to ever shoot the ball. And unfortunately with this team, um, you only have three guys who are at all a uh, threat to make something happen on their own, uh, on the entire roster. So it's, it's uh, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks, but um, it's just a major issue for how this team be, uh, is, is constructed and it makes it very easy to defend. No, completely. And I know another thing, and I don't know if I believe it necessarily, but a lot of people have been saying that Ty's battle looks like he's already kind of on his last legs. Uh, Dan, do you buy that? I mean, I, I don't know if I completely do, but I also do think it's worrisome um, if there are even murmurs about it that, uh, that he, just 17 games in, uh, could potentially be running out of gas, uh, especially when we need him probably now more than ever. It's it's tough without having seen like the the, the entire game, um, but I mean it wouldn't shock me like if we're if we're going back the last time he played fewer than thirty seven minutes was against Toledo when he played twenty nine he had foul trouble, um, and he has had like a little bit of a tapering off in terms of his scoring. Um, obviously he was pretty much a cinch for eighteen at least eighteen points up through Georgetown um, that once which was the Toledo game again uh, that, that wasn't fouls it was injury um, when he got hurt and he still took fourteen shots he was just off. Um, but then since, you know, he's had 13 in Buffalo, 11 in the Bonnies. He had, then he, you know, had 22 in East Michigan, but 17 for first about 13 at week four is 21 in Notre Dame, which is a nice bounce back game for him. Um, but then 12 in this game. Um, and obviously UVA is, is the toughest defensive team we've faced so, thus far. But, um, the fact that he's played so many minutes, like he's, he's only played under 30 minutes three times. And he hasn't, again, he hasn't really had a, a night where he, has had much rest since that Toledo game, and that Toledo game was, was due to injury, so it wasn't like that was a, a very, you know, easy uh, cruise through to a win for him either. Um, so, yeah, I, I think when you have guys playing 40, 40 minutes almost every night, you know, 39 minutes UVA, it's it's tough to not think that might be a thing. And, he's, you know, he's also played 45 minutes twice in, in overtime games, and it just hasn't been a break, and he's obviously uh, a ball-dominant guard for this team, um, which is, it makes it even more taxing. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a concern. Um, he just can't really come out because Howard Washington's the only the only bench uh, backcourt player we have, and Howard Washington is just not in a point where he can play more than a couple spot minutes. And and if this roster was a little deeper, he probably wouldn't be playing at all. Right, and I mean, if he roster was deeper, if Elijah Hughes was able to play, um, if we had gotten Jordan Tucker, like these are all things that would have potentially helped out. Um, the, the depth's an issue. It's been an issue for this team for in a lot of different seasons, sometimes self-induced, other times not so much. Um, I, I do think that, you know, this team might be starting to suffer from a little bit of that. Like, a lot of Syracuse teams have run guys for, you know, 38 to 40 minutes a night, and, and it's been fine. Um, 
to some extent. Obviously, this year it seems like maybe, maybe not. I, I felt like overall, like Syracuse put in a pretty good effort um, against UVA, all things considered. So it's tough to really buy the like, you know, that th- they were on their last leg narrative, and especially because pressing late w- w- was getting results for them. Um, also makes it hard to believe, but um, you know, before the end of the season, maybe like we've seen this before. I know back in um, 07-08 with Dante Green and Johnny Flynn team, like that was another team going five or six deep most nights. Everybody was playing, you know, 36 to 40 minutes. Definitely wasn't ideal, but those guys were able to run. It's not to say that Battle or Howard or anybody's a lesser athlete um, comparatively, but. Um, those teams were really asking a lot just out of those guards. Um, Flynn at the time had a motor, like, uh, you know, among the best college players I've ever seen in terms of just that energy that he was able to provide, um, even if it wasn't always, you know, as consistent. And I, I do think Johnny Flynn's underrated um, as a player at SU um, in terms of the last, you know, 20 years or so. But uh, I digress. Uh, I, I, I think that any team is going to kind of fall victim to this at some point, especially if you're putting so much on, you know, Battle and Howard in particular. And, you know, Chukwu, you never wanted to play 35 minutes. Um, Brissett seems like he can play the 35, 36 minutes, and that's great. Um, but uh, but we'll see. This is not, SU's not the only team with this issue again. Like, I, I know a, a frequent, you know, point of conversation in NBA circles is what uh, what Tom Thibodeau might be doing with, uh, with the Timberwolves and really running guys like Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler into the ground. So... Um, just as people are watching that situation pretty closely uh, to see what the Wolves do at the, the kind of midway point for the NBA, um, I think we, at least in particular, are watching what SU is doing now um, and seeing if, uh, if this energy uh, conversation becomes a thing. Yeah, you brought up Chuko. I'm actually impressed with how he's, how he's handled this because I don't think it was really in the plan to have him play uh, this many minutes at all. Um, obviously, we thought we would have Torian Thompson um, which is a whole issue. Obviously, people are aware that that was like a major problem for the roster construction because it clearly blindsided us. Um, but, you know, we thought we would have him in the front court. We, uh, and we obviously thought Sidibe uh, would be um, more uh, ready to, you know, play, uh, which obviously injury has hampered. Um, even uh, going back a couple of years, um, based on like when we thought guys would be here, um, today we had Mustafa Jang uh, has not clear to play for Western Kentucky, which is great for him. Um, back when Bam was building this team, you know, we thought we would have him, and he would be another guy who uh, would be, you know, able to put in some minutes in the front court. So, so it's just been a lot of like very a lot of strange uh, issues that have gone to making this roster what it is. Um, all that being said, I'm actually pretty impressed how Chuku was handled uh, playing this minutes load. Um, he, you know, he's been especially in this this late latest stretch. He's played uh, over 30 minutes, I think, all but two games in the last like six or seven. Um, it's it's really impressive. I, I assume we would see him for maybe like 18, 20 minutes a game this year. Well, and he's showing himself to be you know far more effective than I think we we had banked on. I think for for a lot of the off season, we had thought that you know Sidibe was probably going to get more of the minutes. Um, you know, at center or or, the, or they'd have an even split. Um, there maybe you know. Um, you just see Chukwu with like the ceremonial start um, and, and then get the quick hook and, and that hasn't happened obviously um, we've seen a very different player we've seen a very different player especially over probably the last uh, few weeks uh, to be honest you should probably write something about that um, that's not directed at you and me that's just directed at um, us as a, as a site and we should probably write a little bit more about you know Chukwu's improvement because honestly like the effort he put in last night um Sure, only nine points, but four of six from the floor, which is probably one of his, without looking, one of his better efforts um, in terms of shooting the basketball, one of two from the free throw line. Uh, the glaring statistic and the one that really should take the headlines, though, is that 10 offensive rebounds number, um, creating those second chance points. Obviously, you need Syracuse to be able to do something with those second chance points, but uh, 10 rebounds is, is great. 10 offensive rebounds is phenomenal. Um, that, that's probably better than the, the average for most teams around the country. He had 16 boards overall. SU actually did really nicely on the boards after all that talk we had about just a really kind of bad effort um, on the boards and all the offensive boards in, in the Wake Forest and Notre Dame losses. Um, you know, Chukwu ended up with uh, the lion's share of offensive rebounds in a game when SU had 19 overall, um, which will certainly push that average right back to the uh, 
the 14 to 15 mark, which is one of the best in the in the country. Yeah, if we can start to get back to winning rebounding margins like this against, you know, I think UVA's, I don't know how they are this year. Not great. Okay, so they're not a great rebounding, but like Notre Dame shouldn't have been close to us rebounding in terms of, you know, without Bonzi Colson. So now that, you know, as you beat UVA by 10, I think that's a pretty good sign. Uh, and, and again, like staying this close to UVA, having a, a late uh, surge to, to kind of get back in it uh, with a few minutes left, like overall, this isn't a, this is a bad, not a bad performance at all. Um, it's just tough coming on the heels of two other losses. Um, and uh, one is where you start in conference play. Uh, we talked about last week, like they're going to need to steal a game or two and the, the schedule is not super friendly. Um, and it would have been nice to pull this one out. But in a, in a vacuum, like I'm not going to get too worked up about losing at Virginia by, by seven points. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that, that's always the biggest issue for, for this team with losses now is going to be each loss just adds another notch that makes it harder and harder to get to that 500 mark. Um, obviously, no matter how many good wins, at some point you need to start getting great wins. Um, you can only take on so many losses. The St. Bonaventure loss uh, in non-conference also kind of deals us an additional, like not the St. Bonaventure is a bad team or a bad loss, but the St. Bonaventure game does create this kind of conversation now just around okay, like, at what point do, do the losses become too much? I mean, we've already got, you know, five. It could potentially be six um, this weekend against Florida State. Then you have three straight winnable games. But even if you're back at four and four, like you and I talked about since the preseason, you know, nine and nine in ACC play is not going to cut it, um, even if you just win the games you're supposed to, because that that's probably not going to get you any wins against tournament teams since we do face – you know, BC, who I'm not buying as that large bid, especially if they got destroyed by Duke last night. Um, Pitt, who is absolute garbage, and they lost by 35 to Duke uh, tonight. And then, um, you know, Georgia Tech, who probably isn't that great. And the Wake Forest, who's probably not going to be a tournament team either. So, I mean, if we already lost the Wake Forest game, but if you lose, you know, what, six of seven? I mean, if you win six of seven against that group, great. But now you still need to figure out, okay, like where are my other quality wins coming from? Because right now none of them qualify um, as well as we might need them to. Yeah, I mean, we have a shot uh, coming up here, and it's what looks like a very good Florida State team, um, number 23 in the country, uh, which would be nice. Um, I'm not banking on it. Unfortunately, it's on the road. Uh, FSU's won something, I think, what, 23 straight home games? It's, it was like 35. Uh, one of the... <laughs> Oh, it's 35, even that high? Um, yeah, I, I know I saw the number earlier. I thought it was pretty high. Yeah, uh, which is one of the best parts of the country. Um, yeah, so it's going to be tough. Like, Florida State would be a very nice one. You have to hold serve against BC, which, you know, at this point, I don't even know who knows if that's even holding serve. BC's been up and down. But they're they're much improved from what they've been over the last couple of years. Um, obviously, they've beaten they've beat Wake. They, they beat Duke earlier in the year. Um, and then we have... You know, you had to, to pick up the two games and it's pit. Obviously, those are going to help your resume too much, but they'll kill it if you lose them. Um, same with Georgia Tech. And then you have UVA again, which is, you know, maybe not the ideal team to uh, have twice in, this, uh, in the season, but we have to get them at the Dome. Um, it'll probably be a pretty good crowd, uh, assuming this team doesn't totally go in the tank. And it's a team, I think, Syracuse can beat, like, based on this, this last game. I think you put the game in the Dome, you have a similar effort. Uh, by Chukwu, you have a slightly more efficient offensive effort, and I, I think it's a, it's a winnable game, and that could be one you pick up. Um, but I don't think one win like that's going to be enough. I think you need two or three, and you need to clean up against the, the bottom half and do well against like your peer programs, which which I'm concerned about. Right. And yeah, like, you, you still don't know like what Louisville is. You still don't know really what BC is, even if I just trash them. Like You don't know what the hell Clemson is. Um, notice a bunch of these games are set for ACC Network Extra which probably frustrates fans um, after probably a, a larger-than-average number of non-conference games on regular TV. Um, you know, uh, it looks like five of the next six are, uh, are ACC Network Extra games, which, uh, which shouldn't thrill us. It's not ideal. Uh, hopefully the ACC Network uh, proper is not too far away, and we can solve a lot of these issues for football this year was like a harrowing experience trying to find the game on a weekly basis but I feel like we were on ACC Network Extra like about two thirds of the year at least yeah although I feel like because you're you're a cord cutter right yeah but I was usually for football I was usually at work so 
Well, I know, like, yeah, I, like we had the RSN for, I feel like most of the games I had the RSN. I think I had it for every game after Central Michigan. Yeah, we had that for a bunch. It's still, like, you know, having to figure out if you're on Yes or uh, WLNY or whatever on a weekly basis. It's not the end of the world, but... Right. Well, for um, me, it was scanning every single Fox Sports <laughs> affiliate. Because you can't just get the one, you have to get all of them. So then it was me. Oh, really? Yeah, so then it was my DirecTV scanning through each one to figure out which one it was on. Fun. Yeah, but that, nothing was worse than the Middle Tennessee game where most of us miss, missed the first quarter, probably for the best, um, while, while we were just given a blank screen from, uh, from ACC Network Extra the entire time, and I had to watch most of the game on my phone. I do remember that. What a, what a, what a fun day. <laughs> but a delightful day that ended with... What a great... <laughs> What a great game that we probably should have just been like, all right, we're just not going to watch. ACC doesn't want to see this. It's probably for the best. We should should take the sign. That ended with with, with an unpleasant fellow having a cigar in his mouth in a non-smoking area on a non-smoking campus. (laughs) (laughs) Just breaking rules. The Stout Schaefer story. Just just really, just what a rebel. Just a real hard-nosed rebel. (laughs) <laughs> all right before halftime uh one other thing i wanted to bring up here um virginia uh I'm, we're gonna write about this probably at the end of january early february before the next virginia game but dan are they a rival like i i kind of feel like this has more legs just from a fan perspective and from a like consequences perspective than than the duke series has i think Early the first two years, I think it was it was clearly Duke had had something. We were better, and we were com- competitive with them. Um, Virginia, obviously, you have the Malachi game, which uh, was impactful for both sides. Um, Virginia has been very good. Uh, we've kind of split t- since the first couple of years when we couldn't beat them. Uh, we've been like pretty down the middle in terms of these games. I feel like we've had uh, the nice game up at the dome. So I don't know. I don't feel any particular animosity towards Virginia. That's what I mean. It's um, like a fun rivalry. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a fun competitive, um, a fun competitive. One. I'm trying to think of like compared to like uh, one of the Big East rivalries, Marquette. But those were kind of, mm, yeah. But we we had like Marquette's number for so long. Oh, yeah. I, I did really I, hate. I don't that. know. Um, I did really hate. Louisville. Yeah. Big East was just such a rivalry based on hate, though. And I feel like in the ACC, since there's like some Southern sensibilities involved, everybody's a little bit more congenial towards each other. UConn was a lot of hate. I'm trying to think of who else we used to be in a conference with. It feels like we're officially getting to the point where that feels like so long ago. I know. And like for for a couple of years, like you kind of almost forgot half the time. Um, uh, even, the problem is like all these South Florida. Had to just, <laughs> oh yeah. I, do, do, do we ever? I can't remember ever losing to South Florida. I think we did like once. Yeah. All right. It was the 2011-2012 season, which was uh, did we actually lose to South Florida with a team? I'm looking. Yeah, we. It was. It was like. I think it was. No, Downing, we it was. We never lost. It was just a really bad game. It was 56-48. We looked like garbage. Wasn't there like one where like uh, Dominic James or whoever like went off for like four, like 35, 38 points or something? Um, maybe. Oh, Dominic James. What a what a what a blast from the past. Uh, um, I'm looking. I, I just can't remember us ever losing to them. There we was lost, another game where we lost in 08. Oh, uh, the 08 season, like 07, 08? Uh, yes, 89, okay, that, that was before I was there, so that would explain why I don't remember it. Um, no, it yeah, was, uh, mostly... wasn't Dominic, it was, no, oh, Dominic Jones, sorry. Dominic Jones. Dominic, Dominic Jones. Jones different player, right? I think. Yeah, Dominic Jones had 29 points. This was the game I was thinking of. Okay, um... Yeah, the only two USF games I remember were the gray jerseys, which I, we did not lose. We, we won really ugly. And then in my, my freshman year, 08-09, we played them at South Florida, and we snuck by them, and Johnny Flynn threw down like a windmill dunk after the buzzer, for no, or right before the buzzer, for no reason. Yeah, 59-54. Um, it was like a really frustrating game, and Johnny was just like fed up about something. So like right before the buzzer, he threw down like a, an open-court windmill after like the other team. And it was, it was you know, maybe not the, the classiest move that's ever happened. Yeah. Um, and he got some heat for that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we ever lost the USF while I was there, or obviously now since. I just think and like... It's also weird to think that we were in a basketball conference with USF for a long time. Yeah, now, 
Now UConn is clawing to get out of said conference still. Although I feel like there's some legs now. Maybe. I feel like they're going to be Maybe out. Maybe like Villanova. Maybe Villanova's a good... UConn, they're, they're, they, I don't know. I, I, I feel like they're going to try to make football work as long as they can. I, I don't know if they should. I just don't... Like, I mean, I don't know Escalators is like broke down the money situation. Like, it's really not that lucrative for them at all. No, I think there's a lot of logic behind ditching it. I just... I think giving up football is such a big, like... Move the, grandiose. You can't get back into it at this point, right? Especially because they've invested a lot in that program, um, facilities-wise and, and everything else. I think it would be, I think it might be the right thing to do. I just think that they would really, really need a couple more years of just like really meet like real mediocrity to decide that that's the best course of action. Which just might be the case for them. Uh, oh, I, I expect it to. Be. <laughs> um, I just don't know. It, it, it'd also be like really. Um, you're really cutting your losses big to give up football. Like the schools that give up football um, are not like the schools with the brands of UConn at this point. True. Yeah, I mean, if um, I mean, I'm going back to where we we were here. Um, Nova. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Um, I, I think Nova's probably the right comparison. Like, if anything, although like I that, still it feels right. Yeah, because you think because you think about it, you have like, you know, you have Scotty Effing Reynolds. And all these other guys. I think Shirai was pretty likable um, overall. I never really hated Villanova. I know some a lot of people do. A lot of like the Philly area SU friends I have hated them, obviously. But I never had like a lot of hate towards Villanova. But the games were often very fun. Um, we beat each other regularly. It wasn't like a one-sided thing ever. Right. Um, they were usually close. Both, usually close. Um, it was pretty. I think for a while, it was like definitely our like our third biggest rivalry. But like obviously, didn't have the hate of UConn or Georgetown. Um, because St. John's is so down. Uh, so I think that's probably the best comparison. Yeah. Kind of like, obviously, Villanova is like a way different style. Uh, Virginia, you know, is what they are. I, I appreciate the their, how they play a little more than others, but I, I you know, also love teams that dead out and run. Um, they both start with the letter V. Uh, Hateable, <laughs> scrappy seniors. Yes, they always have seniors. Uh, different kinds of seniors, but, like, Virginia's players, like, every year, their star players are like a very different guy. Right. Like Villanova was more like they had these guards and Scotty Reynolds for a million years, but then they always had like the guard that was good, and you knew like you know he came up through the ranks. Versus like Virginia, which it could be uh, this year's Kyle Guy, he's a sharpshooter. It was Joe Harris one year who was you know not as as uh, form fitting as Kyle Guy in terms of like his role, and then you had uh, Brogdon who was like a you know do it all uh, wing. Um, so they they have a little more like diversity uh, among like the types of star players they have, but they're always they always have their seniors. So yeah, I think that's a pretty good comparison. The two teams aren't very alike, but in terms of like where we fit in, in terms of like basketball rivals, I think that's probably the best, the best comparison I can think of. Yeah, and I mean, said it's you're never gonna find like a completely analogous one, just because again, like Big East was built built on like hate and like some respect, while I feel like the ACC is built on these Southern sensibilities of like be nice to your neighbor even if you hate their guts. But uh... yeah, I buy that. It's just, I mean, you you and I both know just being from the Northeast, there's just a different, there's a different way that sports rivalries are, are, are worked out in public. The Big East was a very rude conference and a very lovable way. Like, it was yeah. just, it was, uh, it wasn't here to make friends. Um, they played, like, a, a pretty physical brand of basketball, and a lot of schools hated a lot of other schools. Like, there were so many rivalries thrown in between all these different teams. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, ACC is definitely a little more congenial overall, except that there's like a you know still some weird animosity between like the old school ACC schools and the new ones, and not um, even all of them, just some of them. Like some, we hate for some reason some. us us and NC State hate each other. Um, I know us and uh, I mean us and I feel like us and NC State hate each other more than us and Pitt do. Which yeah, is, probably. I think it was a because of the, I think it, it spurns that stems back to that, that uh, before we were in the conference. The comment. It was a year before we joined. The Denny's and uh, the Godfrey comments didn't help. Yeah, and then Godfrey like and the, well then it was that and then right after the comments then we smoked them in Raleigh. That was what I was thinking. Is is uh, we beat the hell out of them in Raleigh and there were a lot of Syracuse fans there and they clearly didn't know that was going to happen. Like, you know, schools I think that we share comments with are like understand like we we travel very well for basketball. Um, NC State didn't know that, <laughs> and their fans were annoyed. Their fans were very, very bitter after that game. Yeah, I feel like 
I feel like NC State and Clemson are like kind of the, I mean, they're also just like the same school in different states. Um, but yeah, they. Uh... Ooh, Clemson, Clemson, Clemson fans will love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this seems like a, well, isn't this like a stupid rivalry? Isn't it like a textile bowl or some shit? That sounds right. Well, something is a textile bowl. I'm not sure which. That's, that's probably, that's, that's probably. That, that is, a, that is a, an, an ACC rivalry. Uh, yeah. It does involve NC State. It, it, it is, is NC State, State Clemson. Boom. <laughs> I know my obscure they rivalry play for games. It's probably just a oh, piece no, of fabric. Oh, no, trophy is literally a bowl. <laughs> See, I would think they just hand each other like a swatch of fabric back and forth. Yo, this is such an such a generic, like, Big Ten-looking thing. Oh, God. Although It looks mean, like, because it's one that has, like, a million year panels on it. It's, it's literally a bowl. Yeah, I'd rather just... It's a bowl on a... on a. Can they just hand cloth back and forth? I feel like that'd be better. <laughs> just just some freshly made cloth. Yeah, or just like... You no, know, you, you could just start weaving a quilt. So everybody... The winner gets a patch in their color... So then you have this just growing Ooh. orange and red quilt. And you can kind of see how the how things have developed based on the color. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be interesting. And I like someone, that a lot better. And so someone stitches the score in. Like, put me in, coach. Like, somebody somebody have me run a college athletic department because I just made this rivalry interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's a much better trophy. Um, See, as much as it's I... It's not as the, the broken chair trophy. No, but, no, the, uh, what, the, bit, the bits of broken chair trophy is the best trophy in sports. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's easy. The $5 bits of broken chair trophy. Yeah. I had to make sure I got the full name. Um, that That's the best one because it was made by the internet. Right. And it's a very internet trophy. And people actually care um, about it. Yeah. Unlike most of the Big it's Ten great. trophies. No, that's the best one. That's the best That's the best ball trophy. Like, in terms of just... The rivalry's not the best. Just who cares about Nebraska-Minnesota? But the trophy itself, easily the best. One of the worst is uh, the BC Clemson trophy. I forgot that a trophy too. The ACC rivalry trophies are just bad. They're just yeah, like like let's just get whichever idiot the Big Ten put in charge of all these trophies, and let's just make them for us. Because like, there's a real. Also, why the hell? Why are B... the Horford Fadden? Why does BC Clemson need a trophy? No one do either schools care about each other at all. They just, like, it, there's a whole Wikipedia entry on it. It's literally because, like, the fans just liked each other when they, like, visited one another. Yeah, stupid. Yeah, like, you guys suck. <laughs> like, Again, we're from the Big East. We like to not like our rivals. The BC's from the Big East. Yeah, but they don't have to. Yeah, they were just so bad at being in the Big East. Yeah, they were just, they're just bad. Anyway, uh... Let's talk some halftime, then we can kind of uh, continue slash just wrap up after this. Cool. So, uh, Dan, what have you been drinking? Uh, so, in the last week, I've had a couple different things from Brooklyn. I had their pills, which was uh, pretty enjoyable, and then Brooklyn Sriracha Ace, which is uh, probably my favorite non-large like large format Brooklyn beer, um, which they are, you find it more and more in like, uh, like regular 12-ounce bottles, which is nice. Um, and in like variety packs and stuff, which is a fairly new thing. Uh, I finished up the tomato basil saison from the farmhouse that I had, uh, which continued to be a, an interesting drink. And then yesterday I had a Kolsch from a Schleifly or Schleifly. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. The St. Louis brewery. Oh yeah. I think Schleifly yeah, sense yeah. makes more sense. Um, which was good. I, I don't think I had had that before. I like a good Kolsch, and you know. Really, really good. So, not a ton, but some some interesting stuff. Nice. I'll I'll be in Austin this weekend, so I'm excited to uh, hopefully get out to Just King, which is my my like if I can only do one brewery uh, and drag my friends to it, then that'll be the one. Um, it's not that far from my. It's like maybe 20 minutes from where we're staying or, or Airbnb. So I'm gonna push to try to get over there. Um, That's my biggest regret. I, the fact that I had with me. I regretted that I've been to Austin twice and I never went to Just King just because it was too far out from where I was. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So we have a we have, we rent we have a car rented. Uh, we should hopefully be able to get out to like most things we want to see, and I, I toss that in. So hopefully that'll work out. Um, we have like four days, so I think I can make it happen. Just I've heard so many good things about Jester King in terms of being like one of the better breweries in the country, um, and I haven't had anything from them before, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, I've had I've had a bunch of different stuff from them. Uh, I hear trade here and there with a buddy who uh, was in the Houston area. 
and they get a decent amount of Jester King stuff. I've had some Jester King stuff when I'm in town, but yeah, I have not been out to the actual brewery uh, yet. Maybe next time I'm down there. Um, I still have a friend that lives in Austin, so I could potentially swing that at some point. I suppose. Worst case, I'll be able to at least have some of it in town, even if I don't get to the brewery itself. Yeah. Any of the any of the good craft beer bar should have something, at the very least. Um, let's see. A couple things I had. I had from Monkish. Had the uh, Savines. They're a blackberry and hibiscus uh, sour. That was super good. Uh, kind of refreshing. Almost like a tart wine. It was it was a very interesting uh, flavor profile. Uh, had some Smog City Hop Tonic. Had a Racer 5. I was, uh, I was out watching the Rams game a little bit, and... The sports bar, Racer 5, was as good as it was going to get, so that was fine to me. Um, stopped over at Monkish for some uh, an IPA from them called Zoom Into the Zenith. Uh, I believe the top bill was Galaxy, Citra, and Mosaic, if I recall. Um, also went down to Smog City's um, Long Beach area tap room for, uh, for some... I guess brunch slash lunch with some friends. Grabbed a uh, a pint of Coast Rider Passion Fruit IPA that's really good. Um, then I was at the Laker game last night, so I had a uh, Luponic Distortion from Firestone, their IPA, and uh, also drank a uh, Bavic Super Pills, um, just a German Pilsner. So, yeah, eventful ish. Nice. Yeah, not too uh, not too crazy. I haven't drank anything yet for my birthday, but I'm probably gonna have a beer with dinner. Just to, uh, just to stay in character. Yeah, I mean, why? Why you doubt it? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm not a. Uh, for for I mentioned this a couple times that I'm going to be in Italy starting next week, so I uh, I wanted to not put myself through, through too much uh, today and this week um, in terms of drinking, so that I can save up for uh, for the trip. So doing a little bit of drinking on Saturday at a brewery that I really like. Um, that'll kind of be my. Uh, my celebration in a nutshell. Yeah, that was my plan before this Austin trip, and then uh, I ended up being out really late after the Killers concert last night, uh, and was miserable at work all day. So, did, did plans. Uh, the best likewise advice men often go astray when you decide to go out for a couple drinks after the show and stay for more than a couple. It's such a such a move of someone in their twenties, Dan. <laughs> I know. I'm still <laughs> such a young, such a youth. Oh man. All right. Um, so I guess talk a little bit about Florida State here before we uh, before we close out. Um, looks like Florida State is getting tested very much so by Louisville. I hope that this is just a sign of things to come, however, and that um, they beat Louisville but barely, and then give us the playbook to beat them. That'd be really nice um, if they would would oblige on that front. Yeah, that'd be good. I I, I would. You know, Louisville's still kind of a mystery, I feel like, um, as you alluded to earlier. Like, they're, I mean, they were always going to be kind of a mess this year based on everything that went down right before the season. But uh, it, I still don't really know how they're going to shake out in this league. Probably middle of the pack, but they have talent. So, like, it, w- it wouldn't totally shock me if if uh, they put it together a little bit. But, it, you know, they were put in a very, very tough position by everything that happened with Patino and the NCAA and the FBI scandal and everything. So, right. Yeah, I mean, you and I said before the season, like, everyone was super high on them. We said, like, pump the brakes a little bit. Doesn't mean they won't make the tournament, but, like, pump the brakes just in terms of, like, this team being able to compete in the upper echelons of the ACC. So far, it's been the case that they're struggling a little bit. Um, Just because you plug in, you know, someone who played for Patino doesn't mean they can just coach like Patino. Um, You know, and and that's kind of like a subtle jab, too, at all the, uh, the, the higher Jerry Mack folks. You know, at SU, that just because you coach under Beheim for a couple of years um, and you played for him doesn't necessarily mean you could just replicate the man's process and his coaching ability right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, we saw we were kind of seeing things play out with with Mike Hopkins, and I think um, I'm still pretty. I'm not glad that he he left or anything, but I, I do think it we're in an interesting position, which we brought up after he did leave, um, to kind of evaluate what his team's going to look like. And he's off to you know, a pretty good start overall. He beat Kansas, which we obviously didn't do. He beat USC the other night. Um, there, there's still some growing pains. He obviously got blown up by UCLA the other day, and he got blown up by Gonzaga. But, like, the team wasn't expected to be very good, and, and they might. I mean, they're probably in better position for the uh, NCAA tournament than Syracuse is. 
Yeah, which way um, to go, Washington? I, I I think you you could say like, oh, you know, obviously you're going to promote this person, or, or this person's going to step right in, and, and it's the obvious move, and and Hopkins would have been the obvious move, but you don't really know what you're getting until they actually do the job. I mean, we've seen so many success, uh, succession plans just like really not work out. Um, obviously, there are like some. Uh, examples to the contrary, like Tom Izzo, obviously has worked out really well at Michigan State after taking over for Judd Heathcote. But like overall, I think it's 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 no less of a crapshoot than just a, an outside hire, really. This is sadly true. Um, I guess talking a little bit about the other side of, of the coin in that game, Florida State. Um, Dan, you and I did not see Florida State doing too well this year, did we? Uh, I don't, don't totally remember. I, I think we just thought it would be like a Florida State team, and they would be like big and kind of imposing on, and not all that like actually uh, great when it comes to playing big games. I, I don't. I, I didn't think it would be as good as like some of these recent teams, even that w- went to the tournament with pretty big hopes and, and flamed out uh, miserably. Um, but they've been quite good so far. The ranked twenty third in the country. Um, like we said before, they're pretty dominant at home. Now they are after a one and two start in conference, um, but I think they've had a pretty tough start. Uh, I think what they had Duke, UNC, and Miami, two of those on the which they lost both of those, and then they they beat UNC by one at home. So it's not like they've they've been blowing people out in in league, but you know beating UNC no matter what is always nice. Um, the Miami and the Duke losses were both by uh, single digits, and I think they're both pretty competitive. Um, the Duke Duke just pulled away at the end. I remember I watched that game and Duke like Florida State I think had the lead pretty deep in the second half and, and Duke just put it on uh in multiple minutes, but they could have won that game. Um it was pretty much a point throughout. Um so overall I like also Oklahoma State earlier in the year by one. Um but they, they blew out Florida, uh which obviously isn't this team that we probably thought was early in the year. Um they beat George Washington, which is a solid uh mid major. Um they beat Big Ten Power Rutgers by five, which is actually probably one of their lesser performances of the year. Rutgers um, almost beat yeah. Michigan State tonight. I know. I walked in. Uh, one of my roommates is a Rutgers alum. My roommate that is not Lewis, the fine editor of our podcast, uh, is a Rutgers alum. And I walked in. I'm like, how is this happening? It was because he had it on on Big Ten Network and it was an overtime. Very, very weird. Um, the one thing that probably... Rutgers made- State... Uh, who did Michigan State just blow out? Uh, oh no, they lost to Ohio State. So they're having a weird, yeah, they're, they're having a weird couple uh, days here. Their their whole like their whole vibe this year is weird. They're like supposed to be super good. Their their assumed strength of schedule is supposed to be super good, but then you look at the actual strength of schedule and it's garbage. Like the numbers are actually garbage. Like around them, I think like their non conference schedule was something like 229th or something around there. Like, despite what people think of, yeah, like them quote unquote testing themselves. UNC is is fine, but they're not like super great. Duke they lost to, um, and Duke's not you know the number one team in the country like they were. Um, and then after that, like there wasn't a lot else there. Oakland's pretty decent, but you know it's not going to move the needle really. Um, UConn's bad. Uh, DePaul's DePaul. Um, so yeah, it's it's. It's uh, it looked like it was gonna be a really really strong non conference, and there's still some decent games on there, but it's not you know what we thought. Hundred um, percent. The thing that amazed me the most about them was probably the fact that 17 different players have uh, have logged some sort of box score for them, which is odd. Not entirely impossible, I guess, but still 17 players is a lot. Um, they have a lot of guys who average somewhere above 10 minutes per game. That, uh, that must be a nice luxury to have as a college basketball team. I feel like that's been the case uh, for a bit for, for uh, uh, Florida State here. Um, I think they've had, they've had pretty deep teams, right? They didn't have, like, the, what, what year was it they, they were, like, the, was that last year where they were, like, a three seed? Yeah, probably. I think it was last year, right? They they lost Xavier in the uh, tournament. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they had. I mean, they were super deep uh, that year, if I remember correctly. Um, this, I mean, I think the, I, I think this. I remember seeing they also just have like a million walk-ons. It could be that too, but yeah, I mean, I mean it must be nice to like, you know, recruit and and be able to retain depth from year to year. That seems like a it's like a fun situation. 
This is actually a really new look team, though, compared to last season. Terrence Mann's like the the leading returner who was a an eight point a game scorer for them last year. Now he's he's their leading scorer, I believe. Uh, yeah, fourteen and a half yeah, per he, game. He's he's fourteen point half. Um, it is nice though. Like they have no no one over thirty minutes. Um, they have uh, looks like what eight guys that play. Actually nine if you uh, like uh, Obiagu. Um, is at fourteen minutes. He just doesn't score very much. But they have nine guys who are playing at least fourteen minutes a game um, in almost every game this year. So definitely a a, a a nice position to be in throughout the year. I, I don't know that it always it necessarily means that you know you're gonna be super fresh down the stretch. And also there's like argument that you want you know you'd rather have your seven or eight best guys and have them learn to play and get your rotations tight for the end of the year. But um, compared to, like, SU, I, I think SU's problem is so far on the other end. It, I would love to have 10 guys that you could go out and, and get a solid 15 minutes from. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really what you'd prefer. And in and, and, and the tournament, it might not matter because I think adrenaline helps. But in these regular season games, I think it definitely proves an advantage against a team like Syracuse that most nights is riding, you know, six deep. Um and I, you know, we talked about this a little bit. That like Dola's eyes become a little bit of a of a problem, uh, just in terms of consistency. I don't know. It's like it's just in general, just shaky play. He's turning the ball over. He's his his scrappiness is not leading to the same positive results. And that's not to overly criticize him. It's just to say that if you're not going to be an offensive weapon or, or or weapon on the boards, then um, it starts to become problematic to have you on the floor. And that's kind of how we're in the situation we're in now. Uh, with a mostly five-man rotation. Like, at one point, Dolezal was able to, you know, get steals and really pick up loose balls and, you know, grab four to six boards. Uh, that's not happening anymore. Most of his lines lately have been, like, you know, seven minutes, two personal fouls, and, like, you know, maybe a missed shot. Um, so hopefully he can turn that around because I think him in particular is kind of critical to... Um, fixing this rotation a little bit and turning it into more of a six-man group where you can give some rest um, to Moyer. You can get some fresh legs out there um, and you can get a better group of rebounders because it really does, you know, ride entirely on Chuku's success at this point um, about how well this team is going to be able to, to crash the boards. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. And, and uh, Florida State, um, I think they're almost always a pretty good rebounding team. Um, I don't think they have like the they don't have the like two, the two seven footers still. I don't think right or I don't believe so. Yeah, there was uh, a few years ago where they had like a crazy amount of size. Um, yeah. No, they have they have one, one nine one, seven yeah. four. Uh, oh, they still have, they have two seven footers. Yeah, so Does yeah, that work. Uh, one one whose name is Price. Uh, he has only Yo. played in four games. Um, the other one is uh, Obiagu. Um, who is uh, like farther down, probably the, the the last rotation guy for them. So, um, in terms of like guys who actually play a lot, they are more in like the, the normal category. Like they're actually all like in you know kind of Syracuse forward uh, range. It's not like a small team, but just um, like I think everyone here is at least six one. But uh, a lot of six eight, a lot of six eight and six you know six six to six eight range. So. Uh, hopefully a team that Syracuse can, can battle on the boards with and have a similar performance to what they did in CUVA. Speaking of what Florida State can do, they are now down five to Louisville. So that's... I don't want teams to suffer that loss before us because then they get super motivated for us. Yeah, and then that would also break their home streak. Um, I don't know if that really means anything, but yeah. it's notable. It is notable, just from a college basketball standpoint, even if not from a Syracuse standpoint. Um, yeah, I don't know if they'll be like, all right, well, we got to restart our home streak. Or, <laughs> you know, on the, the other end, like, if you lose, they would also be one in three in uh, ACC play to start um, if they dropped this one. So, um, again, I don't know how any of this factors in. Uh, it's very easy to, like, assign value to things in terms of, like, the mental aspects of these games, but it's tough to know. Um, you know, Syracuse does also come out red hot and, and uh, jump all over them. So, we'll see. Uh, both teams are probably going to really need this game. Yeah, that should make this a little, just a little bit more interesting. Yes. Um, Dan, as we wrap up here, who do you think is going to win this game? Uh, I think I think I know who you're going to pick, but uh, just kind of a, a how and why. Um, I'm unfortunately going to go to Florida State. I've just been very... 
just very worried about the state of the Syracuse team with the short rotation and the inability for anyone outside of you know our big three guys to to get anything going and the lack of efficiency. Um, I just think Florida State's like a solid you know if not spectacular team. Uh, they're at home, um, and and I, I'm you know I think there are some worrying uh, factors here in terms of like the the play we've seen out of Ty's battle as of late and you know Frank Howard obviously going into a bunch of fresh guards. Uh, may not be ideal with his turnover problems. Um, I don't think it'll be like a, a huge blow or anything, but I'll take, I think Florida State will probably win one, you know, between seven and ten points. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to go a little bit closer. I think Syracuse loses, but I think they only lose by five. Um, I, I think that this one kind of gets down to the wire, and then they pull away a little bit at the end. Um, Syracuse is kind of short due to foul trouble. Um, that's probably going to be the biggest issue in games against deep teams like this is what SU is able to do um, in terms of just keeping guys on the floor. Um, you can't really play as physical as you'd like to with, with this size that Syracuse has because you have a short bench, so you really can't have the contact that you'd normally uh, be able to kind of encourage and endorse um, in this sort of setting. So unfortunately, I think foul trouble is what does us in um, rather than ineffective play necessarily. Um, still think it's, it, it's a win to grow on. And it puts us in better position, just like the Virginia game did, to uh, to hopefully um, get back into it a little bit. I think next week, and the, well, the next two weeks will actually be good for Syracuse, since we only have um, you know two games in like a what twelve game twelve day stretch or something like that. Um, should really help us out. Yeah, having some rest um, in general should be good, uh, especially if there is actually like a whole thing to the you know battle not playing well with all the minutes that he's put up and also the fact that like the next two weeks are super winnable um two two didn't spit one in bc at home and then at georgia tech like if syracuse is going to make the tournament like they maybe have to win all four of those yes i i'm firmly in that camp at this point unless they want to like upset duke and north carolina or something yeah then i mean the path just becomes so hard if you don't have those four wins right well, that's a, that's a positive thing to, to, to end on, I guess. <laughs> Win or die. Yes, very, very bright and cheery here. Mm. Anyway, um, as mentioned, I will not be around the next two weeks. Dan might be hosting um, with some friends from the blog. We'll see what happens there. Um, worst case, you're going to wait two weeks, and then you get to hear um, me casually talk about Italy and the basketball that I missed, which will only end up being two games. Which really isn't the worst thing. Actually, it kind of worked out weirdly well. Yeah, it did. I didn't even really look at the basketball schedule when I scheduled that. So, great. Um, Dan, thank you as always for joining. Uh, Appreciate it. And uh, have fun in Austin. Thank you. And have fun in Italy. And happy birthday again. Enjoy enjoy your trip. We'll we'll both have a lot to report on next time uh, we are. I mean, I don't know. uh, Hopefully I'll be able to do at least one one in the next two weeks. But... Either way, next time we're both on, we will have a lot to discuss. Too true. Uh, that was Dan. And maybe uh, the basketball wins. We'll see. <laughs> maybe all the basketball wins. Maybe they'll win every game from now until then. That would be That'd ideal. Be great. Um, anyway, uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noon's An Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, and go Orange. Orange. <laughs>